Welcome to your headquarters for knowledge and helpful advice on a variety of topics, all from trusted experts in their fields. It's time for River City Podcast. Kimberly Brain Tillum is a former children's minister, enrichment teacher, on-air radio host, and experienced founder and former executive director of the Sophie House, now known as Forward Foundation, a local 501c3 based here in Richmond. Kimberly received her bachelor's degree from Virginia Tech in 1993 in family and child development with an emphasis in child care administration. She received her master's degree from Liberty University in 2010 in human services with an emphasis in marriage and family therapy. Kimberly started at Journey House Foundation as the Director of Development and Education and now serves as the COO. She brings to the team her passion for children and family dynamics, along with extensive marketing, fundraising, public relations, and program and staff development. Kimberly enjoys working with the whole family dynamic, advocating for recovery and establishing meaningful partnerships with churches, businesses, nonprofits, and government and state agencies. Kimberly is married to the founder and executive director, Michael Tillum. Together, they have four children, Jeremy, Kaylor, Nathan, and Garrett, as well as two grandchildren, Jaden and Emma. Kimberly, welcome to River City Podcast. Thank you so much, Jess. We're happy to be here. Let's start out with anyone who is not yet familiar with your organization. Tell us a little bit about the overall mission and vision of Journey House Foundation. So Journey House Foundation takes an individual from complete surrender to complete independence, and we help them with their journey all the way through. We pair mental health support with recovery support for the best possible outcome and provide a complete continuum of care. So if an individual is coming from incarceration, hospitalization, homelessness, their parents' house, wherever it may be, they come to us and we provide all of the mental health support as well as the peer-to-peer delivery method of hope for them. And you said an important word, which is surrender. Yes. So this is not a program that a parent or a spouse or a sibling can push a loved one into because they are ready. It needs to be the individual themselves that's gotten to that place of surrender, as you said, right? That's right. We always say that we are only as good as the individual who is willing to change. We interview every single person who comes into our program. We want to make sure that they want to get help that they are ready for the recovery plan and pathway. As many know that have been through this with a loved one, we can want them to change, but if they do not want to, then the results are not going to be what everyone is hoping, including the individual who's there. And this month, we had you on the show timing-wise because it is recovery month. So let's talk about that. That's something that we celebrate each September. My understanding is this is really a celebration of the gains made by those in recovery from substance use and mental health. Can you elaborate on Recovery Month and then also a little bit about what it means to you? Absolutely. So Recovery Month is the time to highlight the triumphs and the stories of those who are brave enough to enter into a pathway that is uncertain for them. We want to celebrate their accomplishments. 
We want to celebrate the fact that they took that first step. We want to celebrate those who have stories and who have launched back into society and make sure that others know that there are ways they can support these individuals who are on this pathway. So a lot of folks that they maybe have heard that someone is struggling with addiction or it's a coworker, family member, church member, they don't quite know how to help. And so Recovery Month highlights the wonderful stories, but also how our community can band together and support the individuals on the recovery journeys. Kimberly, for Recovery Month, there are a lot of events in the area that are going on to celebrate this. Can you talk a little bit to some of those things? This entire month, we will have our marketing tables at a lot of different community events. And a lot of people think Recovery Month and all of those events are just for the individuals who are on their recovery journey, but they're actually for the community across RVA. So we want people to attend these events and come and see what all the different wonderful organizations are doing to support those on their recovery path. If you need information about those events, we're going to be posting those on our social media. So you can go to our Instagram and Facebook page. People can reach out to me directly. My email is Kimberly at journeyhouserecovery.org. I'll share those events with you, and we would love to have you come by the Journey House Foundation table. We talked about when somebody's ready, maybe when they're not ready. For a loved one, it's impossible to push. Their loved one has to find it in themselves. But if there are events going on for Recovery Month that you could bring your loved one to, perhaps it would spark some kind of something in them that might make them ready to surrender. That's absolutely true. And when we talk to so many individuals that call in and the loved one may not be ready, but this is exactly what we do. We encourage them to bring them to community events, to swing by if Journey House is sponsoring a particular fundraiser or event. Just come volunteer so they can meet others in recovery. I think the scariest part is that very first step for someone. And just like all of us, we're more likely to do something if we know somebody there. We're more likely to go. And so any opportunity you can take your loved ones to all the different recovery community events going on, then I encourage you to do so. As a recovery ally, there's Recovery Ally VA. That's on Instagram and Facebook. Again, that's Recovery Ally VA. And a lot of those community events are posted there. So I have my own personal story about recovery. I am actually a recovery ally. And what that means for me is I advocate for those in recovery and I educate our community about substance use disorder. My husband, Michael Tillum, is the founder and executive director. He has 21 years clean and sober. And so my experience with those in recovery is my husband. And so for me, I want to make sure that I'm there to help others on their journey, but also for individuals who aren't really certain about how to approach someone who's struggling. I want to be out there sharing with them how they can assist as opposed to enable the individual. I love that. We've talked about it. I've been in this situation. I had a spouse that was very, very addicted to opiates. And I think about the first, I don't know, I guess year where you feel like you're on an island and you're embarrassed, really, you feel ashamed, you don't want to talk about it. And then when you do make a shift and you do start talking and sharing, you realize, first of all, there's nothing unique about your story. 
everybody that has gone through this has a very similar story, similar feelings. And you also realize that there's nobody untouched. There's nobody untouched by this. It's so true. And I think the difficulties, if an individual feels isolated and alone, the likelihood that they're going to reach out for help is very small. Michael and I both, we've been married, it'll be 16 years this October. And so a big part of what we've always done, you know, Michael has been out there in the community telling his story from the day I met him. He does that because exactly what you're saying. He wants everyone to know that this can touch anyone's family, anyone's loved one, even themselves. It can happen at any point in someone's life, especially with the opioid epidemic and how people put on that medication now for injuries and pain management. And then it's just basically hijacks their brain. And so anyone is vulnerable to substance use disorder. We want to make sure that everyone in the community has a beacon of hope or light. They know when they're struggling, they can reach out. Let's talk a little bit more about something else you said, recovery allyship, Mm -hmm. and how we can be an advocate for those in recovery, and then the importance of stigma reduction and dispelling any misconceptions. When I went from full-time ministry four years ago, I left full-time ministry to come work for our nonprofit full-time, I was still learning a lot about the support that's available just the the whole field in general. One of my first steps was to take the Recovery Ally training, and I'm giving a shout out to Tom Bannard with VCU, Rams in Recovery. He developed a program where you can go get trained and learn how to be a safe place for anyone to open up and share that they're struggling with substance use disorder. That training changed everything for me. And so I am always telling everyone about the training there that Ramsen Recovery does with Recovery Ally Training. And for me, I think being an advocate and being a voice, I myself do not struggle with substance use disorder. I can relate to those who have loved ones who maybe aren't struggling themselves, but they have loved ones who are struggling. When you have an individual who's struggling themselves and a recovery ally who is there to be their advocate and to be their cheerleader and to help advocate in the community increases that circle. It breaks the stigma. Right now, we know that stigma that is associated with substance use disorder is what stops so many people from opening up that they have an issue and a struggle. Isolation is not good for anybody, no matter what trauma or struggle or crisis you're going through. So the power is letting the light in, getting out there and opening up, being vulnerable. And so a recovery ally is someone who that it might be a coach. It could be a teacher. It could be a clergy member, a boss, a coworker. I really do encourage everyone to look into it and find ways that you can be a confidential source and a lending ear and then find the resources to be able to help. 
That's brilliant. And this course, is it something that's available on a continuation basis? It is. Anybody could jump in now and absolutely dates and get involved. Just type in recovery ally training, or you could put Rams and recovery in there, which will also kind of lead you to some more resources that are around the VCU area and the VCU campus. They have a phenomenal program and you walk away with your training certificate, but with the confidence that you can help someone if they were to come and open up to you. Fantastic. Unfortunately, there are some trends across the Commonwealth that are not positive, and that is really to do with the youth and the increasing numbers in substance abuse for that demographic. What are you guys seeing in that regard with that population? Well, even just four years ago, when I joined the team at Journey House Foundation full time, I would say that the average age was about 35. Fast forward to four years later. We are seeing more and more young teenagers and young adults who are entering our program, which it's a trend we don't want to see. But at the same time, we're encouraged by that because teenagers, you know, around age 18, 19 are saying, I have an issue. And maybe it's parents that are pointing it out to them, law enforcement, school counselors, coaches. But the good part is, yes, our demographic is getting younger and younger. I believe that teens and young 20-somethings are seeing an issue and addressing it earlier and earlier, which shows us that we are really moving the needle on the stigma component. Yeah, that's such a great way to look at it. And if they're catching it early, they're catching it 15, 20 years, 10 years earlier than the trend had been. Yes. They're probably that much more likely to be able to redirect and get on a different course. Absolutely. And we have the Recovery High School in Chesterfield. I believe there are plans to open up another Recovery High School. But just having the social component For the individuals in our program, we teach them how to have fun without drugs and alcohol. That's a big component of our program that we provide and allowing the teens to see. Now, think about what they see on social media, on TV, on the Internet. That's what they're battling because it makes it look like substance use is normal and okay in excess. Some people can use responsibly, meaning drinking, or nowadays we've got the whole component of legalizing marijuana. But we're even seeing a lot of trends behind psychosis with marijuana usage, vaping, and not even being able in the schools and the workplace to really know if someone's just vaping or if there's something else in that vape pen. I think it's a matter of making sure as a parent, an educator, just an employer to be knowledgeable in this area, kind of what's out there and what are the going trends. I mean, Michael and I just the other day, we were speaking with someone and learned something we never knew about how our youth are utilizing substances at school. It's making sure you're educated. We all say knowledge is power. As parents, we can't turn a blind eye. We need to educate ourselves as schools, as community centers, as athletic programs, whatever it may be. We really, really need to educate ourselves and not just bury our head in the sand and think my child's not going to do that. My passion, I've always worked with youth. I was in education for 15 years and was children and family minister for eight years. A lot of folks just say, I've got a good kid. My child would never do that. But we also, as parents, we do not face what our kids even face today. 
So what they're exposed to at such an early age, we didn't have to deal with back when we were kids. So we've got to stay ahead and we've got to educate ourselves on what is out there and know to see the signs. You've got to know what to look for. But working with children and youth and helping in this area, one of my passions is to get out ahead of this and really see how we can educate those who are serving our youth right now. Well, it is almost like we are pioneers right now. I mean, we never, this whole world of having answers at your fingertips. So the problem solving, the logical part of what we grew up with, having to figure things out, they don't. Right. They don't have to figure anything out. They can type something in and all the answers are there. And then the comparisons as well from a peer perspective of seeing these beautiful people that are filtering themselves and seeing all the imagery and comparing themselves and then feedback that they get, which can be very negative. The online cyberbullying. I mean, it's a whole new world. It is a whole new world. And we have a mental health crisis in our country. And with that, the resources are limited. We're seeing a lot of that. So we feel very strongly in combining mental health support with recovery support and making sure that one of the main issues, so it's trauma or mental health or any type of crisis that they may be going through, it could be generational hurt that goes on in a family. But how are we helping our youth deal with that? And I know, you know, our governor's working on the Right Help Right Now initiative which is to try to bring in more healthcare professionals and mental health professionals to help our folks. There's waiting lists. People are struggling to get in. Oh, yeah. Across the the state, I know, for therapy, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And let's add COVID. So a lot of people think, oh, COVID's over and done. No, we are seeing this ripple effect and this after effect from COVID that is impacting so many people that maybe didn't have mental health struggles before COVID. And so anytime you go through a world crisis, as we did, you've got to be aware and watch the signs of your loved ones, understand what anxiety looks like and understand what depression looks like. If a loved one is displaying signs of ADHD and other mental health struggles, we need to take action at that point if we see a loved one struggling and try to get them the help that they need. Well, and I think it also gets tricky with the teens because hormones and testosterone, and they are having emotional shifts that are, quote unquote, normal. Right. And so you're dealing with this foreign human who's changing. And so I think it's easy to 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 umbrella what you're seeing as that and maybe missing some signs that there's other stuff going on. Absolutely. And, and two, the trend is changing too. I mean, you've got a lot of dual income families. And so parents may not be around as much. And then you have a lot of single household parents where they're single moms and dads raising their children and uh, working hard to provide everything they need. I was a single mom of three very young children. I've walked through that pathway. You kind of look at what's going on with the family structure, with the constant change in just our society and what's deemed acceptable and normal. It's a lot. For someone, not just our youth, it's a lot for the adults. And so I just want to encourage everyone out there to look out for your friends. Ask your friends how they are doing and not just, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. No, let's truly sit down and have coffee or tea and talk about where you are today. Is there anything I can do to support you? 
or if you're having a struggle yourself and say, you know, I've just been really anxious lately and I'm not sure what that's all about. That will open the door for someone else to share that they're struggling too. So it goes all the way back to check in on your loved ones, check in on your spouse, your children, your parents, co-workers, your, co-workers, your, yeah. your friends at church, place of worship, wherever it is. I even chat with people in the grocery store line, <laughs> not necessarily get too personal, but smile at people. And say hello and hold the door. Just show people that you care. That could change someone's whole day. That's right. Going back to speaking about our youth, we really, really need to educate ourselves, know what to look for, and how we can help. Let's talk about the people that succeed through your program, Mm -hmm. Um, the wonderful stories of the people that surrender and come in and they get help, is there opportunity for those people to come back through and volunteer or work for your organization as a means of giving back and furthering their own recovery? Absolutely. And that's some of the great strides that our state have made here in Virginia and actually across the country. So we hire from within, always are looking for individuals who are thriving in their recovery and have a heart and a passion to give back. We currently have nine Recovery Corps individuals who are placed at Journey House Foundation. Recovery Corps is a division of AmeriCorps. A lot of people know about AmeriCorps. So this program, we were granted six positions last year, and this year we have nine. And we have several who have been through the Journey House Foundation program and are doing beautifully on their recovery journey. So now they're with Recovery Corps placed at our facility and helping our folks and they're giving back. And the beautiful part about that program is they come out registered certified peer recovery specialists. They are employable in the recovery field going forward. We watch these pathways of individuals who go from complete surrender to complete independence. And so in Recovery Month, we highlight those on our website and through our e-newsletter. People that are struggling today can see the hope and say, you know what, if they can do it, I can do it. The folks that are coming back to serve and to work at Journey House, that's that peer-to-peer delivery method of hope. It's the person that's been there, done that, and they can meet that individual right where they are and show them the way. I love it. And that is one thing, too. A lot of times, folks that end up in your program probably have some history. We've talked about that and maybe have done some jail time because of their stuff. And it can be hard to get employed. So to be able to actually, that's just one big piece of helping the community is not only helping them find employment, but employment that then gives back again. I mean, it just becomes this beautiful circle. Absolutely. And meaningful work is one of those milestones and focuses. It's one of our guiding principles. Individuals that come through our program, we want to make sure that they can stand on their own two feet once they're back out there and don't have have that insulated community directly day to day while they're in our program. We have connections with employers all over the Richmond area. I encourage employers that are listening today, if you are willing to be a second chance employer, we will work directly with you, help coach you on employing individuals who have a history and who struggle with substance use disorder, but that now are on that pathway to recovery. So we do all of that as a part of our program and really encourage employers, if they're interested in being one of those, to just reach out to us 
through our website, which is journeyhouserecovery.org, or even through our social media. And I was going to ask for anybody that is at the point where they are looking for help and they are ready to surrender, is that the best way for them to contact you as well? Absolutely. So just journeyhouserecovery.org. And you can go to our website. We have a phone number there. Believe it or not, we have a lot of folks reach out to us through Instant Messenger through Facebook and Instagram. And we'll have, for anybody listening, all those links are also listed in the podcast description. So you can literally just click right on in and get help as soon as possible. Let's talk a little bit about how the community can support Journey House Foundation, not only the participants on their journey to recovery, but how we can also support you guys to be able to do the things that you do. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you for asking. Really, as everyone knows, in the nonprofit industry, you can always donate and we have a donate button on our website. You can also reach out to us if you have really nice furniture. We definitely want our facilities to have nice furniture. We welcome all of the gently used stuff and we make them feel like our houses. We're always looking for lamps and tables and decorative artwork to put on the walls. Another way to support us, we need brand new towel sets for our participants when they're coming in. Most people have nothing. We need bed sets. So it's twin beds. So you can go to Walmart or you can go to any TJ Maxx, Home Goods, and grab some twin sheets, comforters. We also need brand new pillows because everybody that comes in, everything has to be new when they do that. And then just in general, toiletries. I was going to ask about hygiene. So we give everyone hygiene kits when they come in, if that's something they need. Some folks have stuff and they don't need one, but we put those hygiene kits together. Right now we're doing really well with, we only take full size toiletries, but we always need, you know, those bags you get and everybody's trying to make you bring into Publix and Walmart and uh, Food Lion, we need those reusable grocery bags. And we actually put our kits in those. Okay, that's good. And that's so, really good to know. Yeah, if you're out there and want to pick up 10 of them or five of them, we'll let you know where to drop those off. For businesses in Richmond, I assume there's opportunity for them if they wanted to be a sponsor of an event. So a big part of what we do is help our individuals learn how to have fun in recovery. So we go to the river, we go to Lewis Ginter, you all sponsored a fishing trip through Beyond Boundaries, one of our community partners. Hi, Shep. Uh, (laughs) Love Shep. Love Shep. So our folks have been rock climbing. They've been fishing through Beyond Boundaries. We recently did a whitewater rafting trip. Beyond Boundaries does help supplement that, but we also look for sponsors to cover some of that expense. Other ways, we always need gas cards. We need grocery cards. So businesses can help support in that way. We do different other outings as well, especially during Christmas time. We're going to have an angel tree for our participants and their children. And so there's going to be an opportunity to take an angel off the angel tree as we're approaching holidays. So if there's a business out there that would love to put a tree up with some of our needs on that tree in their lobby for their employees, then we would love that as well. Well, we appreciate you. Thank you for everything that the Journey House Foundation is doing for Richmond. It's actually an honor to serve our community in this capacity. Kimberly, thank you so much for being on River City Podcast. Thank you, Jess. It's been a lot of fun talking to you and getting to know you better. Thanks for listening to River City Podcast. 
If you're interested in setting up a podcast for your business, go to rivercityconsulting.com.